Hi, and welcome to this audio edition of Polygamy, What Love Is This? with host Doris Hansen. On this program, we discuss polygamy and Mormon fundamentalism from a biblical Christian perspective. We talk about the history of polygamy, its modern-day fruit, share stories from people who have escaped polygamy, and talk about current events relating to polygamy. You can learn more about the video edition of this program at whatloveisthis.tv. And now, here's Doris. Welcome to our show tonight. My name is Doris Hansen, and I am the host of the program. We'd like to welcome you and are glad that you welcomed us into your and sharing part of your evening with us tonight. Last week we were unable to do a live show because we had some technical challenges that we had to overcome and we are hoping that we have gotten them overcome now and, uh, and that uh, we'll have a smooth going show. But if there's a glitch or two, we hope that you'll bear with us. Last month on one of our shows, we introduced um, a man by the name of Lewis Wilkins. He was, is the man who plans and hosts the Utah County Outreach and Support Group for ex-Mormons or for those Mormons who are questioning and considering leaving, leaving Mormonism in Utah County. This month's Utah County Outreach is going to be held July 15th through the 19th from 6 p.m. to 8.30 p.m. And for more information, you can contact Lewis at uh, 801-371-8489. That's 801-371-8489. Or you can email him way61 at hotmail.com and he will give you and fill you in with the details. And again, we do urge anyone in, in this culture who is considering leaving Mormonism or a polygamy group that you need to find a support group. You need to get a support system that will help you through the tough times. The journey can get a little bit rocky, but it's worth every, every step of the way. And you do need to have someone that will help you through that. Uh, and a support group is the best thing I can, uh, can recommend for you. We also have one. It's called Life After Polygamy. And we meet usually on a monthly basis. Our next meeting is July 30th of this month from 6.30 until 8 p.m. And you can email us, tv at aboutpolygamy.com. We'd be happy to give you the information for that as well. And you know there is still polygamy in the news almost every day. And tonight we want to talk to you about some of it. And we're going to begin with the United States Department of Justice, who is suing the twin cities of Hilldale, Utah, and Colorado City, Arizona. They are the two polygamists, the twin cities, sitting on the border of southern Utah and northern Arizona. And Warren Jeffs, of course, is their leader, and he's in a Texas prison and will be there uh, for the next 130 years for child uh, assault, sexual child assault, and for bigamy. The charges that the Justice Department is bringing against the cities include their ongoing discrimination against non-FLDS members. Now, the lawsuit claims that the police department and the utility companies have violated the Federal Fair Housing Act, depriving non-members of their constitutional rights. The lawsuit states that the Marshal's Office has inappropriately used their authority to enforce the laws of the FLDS rather than the laws of the land to the hurt of non-FLDS people. People are kicked out at the whim of Warren Jeffs and then 
after they're kicked out, housing and police protection and access to public space and services are denied to them. Some are denied electricity, water, building permits. Some of them have even been refused to be served at the local restaurants. The lawsuit also charges that police officers will permit the FLDS members to trespass and destroy non-members' property and their crops. The attorney who is representing Hildale, Utah, has said there are no grounds for these claims. Well, are we surprised that he said that? No, because the polygamy groups are always denying their illegal activities. But what we wonder is why this lawsuit is happening now. It's something that should have happened years, even decades ago, when the civil rights of both members and non-members have been violently violated through the years. We pray that God's justice will prevail, and that includes stopping the evil and responding to the victims and allowing them to be set free. You know, it's typical for the polygamists to claim violation of their rights, yet at the same time it's always been their practice to violate the personal and the civil rights of their members. And the following event is a perfect example of the cruelty that's often per perpetrated in the FLDS polygamous communities against the non-members. Someone, and this has been in the news lately, you may have heard about it, but someone in Colorado City took a cat, a little kitten, and buried it alive up to its, about up to here in concrete and then placed that cat buried that way, still alive, on the property of one of the non-members. He's actually an ex-member. A photo of the cat was taken on May 31st, so this happened a couple of months ago, but it just made it to the news. And a photo was taken it after it was found and the cat was still alive. Sadly, the half-buried cat uh, was released from the concrete, but the trauma was too great for it, and the kitten died. The Justice Department thinks that the FLDS and their police force has done some creepy things like that in the past to animals over the years. For instance, a few years ago, Warren Jeffs banned all dogs. And less than a month later, all the dogs of the community was gathered together and they were slaughtered in a pit only a short distance away from the city. And this actually happened. This is a true event. I would like to bring Proverbs 12, verse 10 here. It tells us that the righteous person will take care of his animals. They, however, have been shown to be very cruel to their animals. And they call themselves God's kingdom. Do you know what Brigham Young said in 1856 about his Mormon kingdom of God? It may shock some of our viewers, but I'm going to quote it from the Journal of Discourses about what he had to say about his people. And I quote, I have many a time dared the world to produce as mean devils as we can. We can beat them at anything. We have the greatest and the smoothest liars in the world, the cunningness and the most adroit thieves, and any other shade of character that you can mention. We can pick out elders right here who can beat the world at gambling, who can handle the cards and cut and shuffle them with the smartest rogue on the face of God's footstool. I can pr produce elders here who can shave their smartest shavers and take their money from them. We can beat the world at any game. 
Now that was something that Brigham Young said in the Journal of Discourses. This is the Journal of Discourses. It's on pages 76 and 77. Read it for yourself if you don't believe me. Brigham Young said he dared anybody to produce as mean devils as his people. The Mormon people, he said. They were the greatest and the smoothest liars and the most adroit thieves. Brigham Young is telling the world and admitting that his religion was peopled with a bunch of thugs. I wonder if maybe that's why the phrase Mormon Mafia was coined. Historical accounts of violent powers and violence proves that Brigham Young's statement was true. And it was the history of nastiness and violence that proved to me that Mormonism, including Mormon fundamentalism, could never have been given from God's heart. It seems that the FLDS today are living up to Brigham Young's boastings. We also want to briefly tell our viewers about the latest in the sex scandals of Warren Jeffs and the FLDS, which I'm sure probably many of our viewers have also heard this one by now. Uh, Fifteen FLDS elders have been selected as the only chosen men who may participate in sexual activities with FLDS females. Warren Jeffs has allegedly announced a decree that only 15 men of his entire FLDS membership may father future children in the community. For all other men, sex is forbidden. Married men are now only supposed to be caretakers of their families, and they've been told not to have sex with their wives. There has been some disobedience to this decree, and because of that, some people have been kicked out of the community, or at least out of the, uh, uh, the group. Jeffs has said that the 15 men are designated by God <clears throat> to father new special children that will be born. The female recipients will be made available for these 15 men. Whether or not they're already married doesn't seem to be a concern. You know, at the close of 2011, Warren Jeffs had issued a, an edict that all sex was forbidden even between married couples. Warren Jeffs had invalidated all existing marriages until they could be remarried by him. Well, that, of course, is impossible until he gets out of prison, but he'll never get out of prison. So when Jeffs invalidated all the marriage, sex between married couples was to cease and desist, apparently, forever. Did you know that this is history repeating itself? Did you know that Joseph Smith also invalidated all civil marriages because they had not been performed by his Mormon leadership? You can read information about uh, Smith's illegal invalidation of legal marriages in Todd Compton's book, In Sacred Loneliness, on pages 18 and 20, and there's many other uh, Mormon historical books that will have this information as well. And of course, when he did that, when Joseph Smith invalidated the marriages, this opened the door for him to just go around and select uh, and marry women uh, as polygamous wives who were already legally married to other men. Joseph Smith just invalidated the civil marriages, and he did. He married 11 married women. They never quit living with their first husbands. They never got a legal divorce, but was married to Joseph Smith and to their legal husband at the same time. And yes, both husbands enjoyed conjugal relations with the one wife, separately of course. As we've illustrated before, it seems like old Warren Jeffs is merely practicing 
what Joseph Smith also did. I recently read a quote on a website about Jim Harmston's polygamy group. It's the TLC in Banti, Utah. There are some people who may be watching right now, whether you realize it or not, who may have experienced exactly what is being described in the following quote. And I hope this quote can come up on the screen because I really want you to get the depth of what is being said here. One of the most effective ways to deceive people is to first gain their trust. Then tell them things that will build up their hope for a future where they will have glory and power, dominion and the like. Then when those things don't happen, make believable justifications for it. And then, seeing that they still trust you, continue to build up their hope on other related things and continue to do this over and over, conditioning their minds deeper and deeper until they automatically numb out and become incoherently blind to the fact that nothing has or ever will happen, that they are just following along on false hope. This is all done by using the hope of the people to lure them and set them up into self-deception. Their strong hope in the promised future keeps them from seeing the truth that they are being led along in deception. And on that screen, you can also see a picture of Jim, Jim Harmston, the, the leader of the uh, TLC polygamy group in Manti. We don't often talk about that group because they're very secretive uh, about their marriages and about other rituals and behaviors. This picture of Jim Harmston was when he was arrested several years ago uh, for reckless driving, so it is public information. But I have discovered some, some interesting information about that group, and it's on the website www.manticult.org com manticult.com and you can go there yourself and and I urge you to do so and discover some very interesting things about that particular polygamy group on that website is an audio recording that you can listen to which reveals highly secretive information about Jim Harmston on a particular uh, incident of um, of sexual abuse. The recording is of poor quality and it's long but it's worth any stress and strain that it will take for you to listen to it and maybe it'll help some of you get a clue about what is going on in these polygamy groups behind closed doors and that's manticult.com and please as you go through this information never forget that Joseph Smith is the source of all this deceit. He is the first cause of the doctrine of Mormon polygamy for celestial glory and have taken young girls as Mormon polygamist wives. You know, leaving polygamy is a very difficult thing to do. And I can never properly explain just how painfully hard it is to leave the imprisonment of a polygamy group. They don't necessarily put up bars on the doors and the windows to keep you in, but they do have strong bars of guilt and threats that they use to imprison the people who would leave if they dared. The polygamy groups will purposely make it hard to leave, and the process of leaving is frightening and painful and guilt-ridden. We're in the process of producing another DVD that's focused especially on the challenges of leaving and the comparisons of the before and after experiences of some who have left polygamy forever. The DVD will be entitled, The God Who Sees Me.
And we have a short preview that we'd like to share with you right now to give you a flavor of the focus of this DVD. So we're going to run right now a, a segment that's a little over four minutes preview of the new DVD, The God Who Sees Me. understood grace at all. I didn't ever understand grace. Honestly, I never knew what grace was. I, I don't remember hearing the word grace growing up. Grace was an unknown kind of vague thing out there that people threw around. And The only thing I knew about grace was it was a blessing you said before a meal or someone's name. And I didn't really understand what, what it really meant. It never really applied to my life growing up. And the way I understand grace now is God came to do for me what I just couldn't do. Grace is the difference between being a slave to everything I can't do and freedom. Just It's just everything. Grace is everything. After I'm saved and I find out that it doesn't matter who I am, that God's grace saves me if I will just trust Him for everything. And to think that God took what I deserve. He took my punishment. He gave me what I don't deserve. It's um, mind-boggling, but He does. And it, uh, it just speaks to His love, His great love. So I found out in my reading that we're saved by grace, not by works. And it's those three words, not by works, <laughs> that threw me up on the ceiling. You had to peel me off. I couldn't believe it wasn't my words. It's just an amazing concept when everything is performance-based and you're always failing. You're always living with shame. You're always living with, with, I've got to do better. I've got to do better. Grace is the difference between being a miserable failure and being his daughter. When, when you're saved by grace, and grace is receiving what you don't deserve, we know we don't deserve it. We know we're not worthy. But God does it anyway. I'll tell you, people, it's the greatest love story ever told. And, and I, just, I just weep with gratitude. Every single day, I thank God for my freedom. I thank God for the truth. I thank God that I have been given the keys that unlock the prison doors. Grace is who Jesus is. He is grace. And grace is something that gets me through all those things that I think I can't get through. There is power in knowing the truth. Know the truth and the truth shall set you free. And if God 
set you free. You are free indeed. And I am free because Christ has set me free. Undeserved, undeserved favor, a free gift from God. Something He just gives me without, that I didn't deserve or earn or anything, and He just gives me His grace. DVD short clip that you just see uh, saw is uh, from The God Who Sees Me, which will hopefully be released in uh, 2013. And of course, the title is uh, patterned after the story of Hagar and Abraham and Sarah. And Genesis chapter 16, verse 13 is where Hagar, whom God comforts after she runs in fear from Sarah's mistreatment expresses her surprise that God has seen all that happened to her and that he cares. And so she said, you are the God who sees me. She discovered that God is a personal and loving God. And we do expect the DVD to be released in 2013. And you can keep up with our updates of the, the process of the DVD by going to thegodwhoseesme.com on the website thegodwhoseesme.com. You know, we received several responses after our show on the Heavenly Mother a couple of weeks ago, and we're continually amazed at the lack of proper listening and hearing by some of our viewers. We were accused of saying things that they claim the Mormon Church or its leaders never believed or taught about Heavenly Mother, despite the fact that we gave references of Mormon sources for our quotes. You know, Jesus said in Luke chapter 8, verses 17 and 18, He said, For nothing is secret that shall not be made manifest, neither anything hid that shall not be known and come abroad. Take heed, therefore, how you hear. Jesus said, Take heed how we hear. Some of our listeners aren't listening very accurately. They hear only what they want to hear and understand only what's comfortable for them to listen to. And we ask you to please, before you call us liars, go check these things out for yourselves. And if your church taught something, then you should believe it. And if you don't believe it, then you cannot call yourself a believer in your own religion. And frankly, if you're identified with a belief system like Mormonism or fundamentalism, then what they believe is what you believe, whether you know it or admit it or not. A couple of people said that our eternal sex comments were disgusting. They said, well, there is a heavenly mother, but she's not having eternal sex. Well, how else does one become a mother? And, and, and your original leadership said she was engaged in eternal sex. That's her job. So do we believe in accordance to how you feel or to what your church taught? And if they were prophets that taught it, why don't you believe what your prophets taught? And I'll have to say it once again, the polygamists are the true Mormons. And although uh, what they believe is far removed from biblical truths, at least they're honest 
about what they believe. We hear people say, well, it doesn't matter what the church believes. That's something that I can't or don't personally believe. They say that about polygamy all the time. So is your church just a ragtag belief system? Does each member get to put together their own set of beliefs disregarding prophets and disregarding uh, church published material? You just get to choose or toss out your own personal whim what you will accept or reject. But you know what? Our opinions count for nothing. God's word is the authority. And it doesn't matter what you think or what I think or what some other religious book teaches. The Bible is the only authoritative word of God. Now, Satan is not only a liar, but he's a master deceiver and he will counterfeit the truth. We don't get to choose for ourselves what to believe and then just assume it's okay with God just because it's our belief and it makes us uh, sense to us. There's a story in the Bible about a king of Israel who decided that he wasn't very fond of what God had written through the prophet Jeremiah. It was King Jehoiakim, and the story is in Jeremiah chapter 36. God spoke to Jeremiah and instru instructed him to write on a scroll what he wanted him to write to tell to the king. So Jeremiah dictated his revelation to his secretary Baruch. The message was one of warning to repent and turn back to the one true God. Well, Baruch took the message to the king's officials and to the king. And let's read what happened when this message was taken to the king and his officials. And we're going to begin reading starting with Jeremiah chapter 36, verse 16. When they heard all these words, they looked at each other in fear and said to Baruch, We must report all these words to the king. They went to the king in the courtyard and reported everything to him. The king sent Jehudai to get the scroll, and Jehudai brought it and read it to the king and all the officials standing beside him. It was the ninth month, and the king was sitting in the winter apartment, and a fire was burning in the fire pot in front of him. Whenever Jehudai had read three or four columns of the scroll, the king cut them off with the scribe's knife and threw them into the fire pot until the entire scroll was burned in the fire. Well, in cutting up and burning God's word, neither the king nor his officials proved they had no fear of God or any respect for his word. So, in response, God told Jeremiah this, verse 28, Take another scroll and write on it all the words that were on the first scroll, which Jehoiakim, king of Judah, burned up. Also, tell Jehoiakim, king of Judah, this is what the Lord says. You burned that scroll. Therefore, this is what the Lord says about Jehoiakim, king of Judah. He will have no one to sit on the throne of David. His body will be thrown out and exposed to the heat by day and the frost by night. I will punish him and his children and his attendants for their wickedness. I will bring on them those living in Jerusalem and the people of Judah every disaster I pronounced against them because they have not listened. The king had shown contempt and unconcern for what God had to say to him. Now just because the king rejected God's words does not mean that those words are less important or not true. And God was extremely angry at the king's impudence and arrogant treatment of his word. Both Mormonism and polygamy groups treat God's word the same way. 
But none of his Bible should be neglected. None of it is a buffet table where you can take or reject at your own discretion. Every word of God is true with no exceptions. And no other book but the Bible is the word of God with no exceptions. God told Moses and later Jesus himself quoted what God had said to Moses in Deuteronomy chapter 8 verse 3. He said, man does not live on bread alone, but on every word that comes from the mouth of the Lord. Every word, no buffet table, no picking and choosing what you want or what you don't want to believe. And then there's 2 Timothy chapter 3, verse 16 that says, All scripture is God-breathed and is useful for teaching, rebuking, correcting, and training in righteousness. All scripture is God-breathed. Every word of the Bible came from the mouth and the heart of God. And this was before the Book of Mormon ever came into existence, so it is not included in being the Word of God. Psalm 119 verse 89 says, Your Word, O Lord, is eternal. It stands firm in the heavens. His word stands firm in the heavens, so no one can climb up to the heavens and get it and burn it like the king of Israel did or change it like Joseph Smith did. God has preserved and protected it forever and forever. His word is so precious and so important that he called Jesus the word of God. We communicate with words, and Jesus, as the word of God, communicated God to us. But the people rejected Jesus, who was called the Word of God. They killed him because they didn't like what he said. So why does this culture, in the same way, disregard and disrespect the Word of God? His Word is authoritative, and he will reject those who reject his Word. God told the first king, Saul, in 1 Samuel 15, 23, Because you have rejected the word of the Lord, he has rejected you as king. It's serious business to choose not to believe what God said. His Bible is translated correctly, every single word of it. Hosea chapter 4, verse 6, My people are destroyed from lack of knowledge. Because you have rejected knowledge, I also reject you as my priests. Because you have ignored the law of your God, I also will ignore your children. Ignoring and marginalizing the Bible has, was something that God despised in the ancient biblical people, the Israelites. And we wonder why this culture, who calls themselves Israel, now, they're not Israel, but they call themselves Israel. How could they dare to treat the Bible so frivolously as they do? No one gets to choose for themselves what truth is. God has revealed truth. You don't get to change it. You don't get to tweak it. You don't get to judge it. And you don't get to add to it. And you don't get to interpret it your way. However, we are invited to test it. And truth can stand up to every and survive any test. Your choice is to accept it as it is or reject it. And remember God's warning to those who reject his word. Every word that comes out of the mouth of God is the word of God. And it is in the Bible exclusively. 
Okay, we're going to open up the telephone lines right now. If you have something that you would like to say, comments, questions, or add to the conversation, we'd love to hear from you. Our telephone number is 801-973-8820, 801-973-TV20. And of course, remember, when you get on the air, you must turn your volume of your television completely down, not just a little bit, but all the way. And while we're waiting for the calls to come in, uh, we have our ministry message to show you. You are watching Polygamy, What Love Is This? Broadcasting live from Salt Lake City, Utah. This program is the broadcast outreach of A Shield and Refuge Ministry. Shield and Refuge is a point of first contact for Mormon fundamentalists who question the doctrines of the religion or who are actively seeking for an opportunity to escape the polygamist lifestyle. Examining the claims of fundamentalist doctrine against the backdrop of biblical truth is central to our efforts. We invite you to contact us. Call toll-free at 877-425-9993 or email us at tv at You are welcome to join us in our monthly support group, Life After Polygamy, where you can meet others like yourself who are searching for answers about polygamy and Mormon fundamentalism. We meet monthly in the Salt Lake City area. For more details about time and place, call us toll-free at 877-425-9993 or email us at tv at We want you to know that we have made available to you some outstanding resources free of charge. You will find them at our website, www.whatloveisthis.tv. There you will find the DVD, Lifting the Veil of Polygamy, which documents the real-life stories told firsthand of those who were lifted out of the culture of polygamy through the power and love of Jesus Christ. Also, free of charge to you, is the booklet, Is Polygamy Biblical? It explores plural marriage in the context of God's Word and answers questions like, Did God ever command polygamy? Is it part of God's plan? While you are at our website, Make sure to take advantage of the archived episodes of this program, which can stream on demand directly to your computer. There are more than 100 shows to choose from. And if someone you know is unable to view this program via live broadcast, recommend that they visit this same website every Thursday at 8 p.m. Mountain Time to watch this show through live streaming video. Simply follow the links to the live streaming video page. If you are watching live tonight, we invite you to call us as we open our phone lines. The number is 801-973-TV20. That's 801-973-8820. Now, back to Polygamy, What Love Is This? with our host, Doris Hansen. Welcome back to our show. I am Doris Hansen, your host of Polygamy, What Love Is This? And we are opening the telephone lines now for people to call in if they have some, some questions, comments, or want to be involved in the conversation that we have just been talking about. I would urge you to, if you have something you would like to say, don't wait until two minutes to the hour to call in or we won't get your call in. So just call in early so you can be sure and get on the air. And remember that when you do get on the air, the volume of your TV must be turned completely down. And our first call is line one on Herman from Provo. Hello, Herman. Yes. Yes, you're on the air. Doris. Yes. You're on the air, Herman. I'm on the air? Yes, you are. 
Okay, you know, uh, I just want to tell you how uh, Joseph Smith was with, I don't know if you're familiar with uh, William Law. The Emma, I mean, Joseph Smith was after his wife and a 13-year-old daughter. And William, William didn't agree with him, say, hey, you can't have my wife and my daughter. So what he did, he, he, in, he was one of the high co second counsel in the presidency. So in 1843, he, he dismissed him, and later on, about 10 days later, he got excommunicated because of it. Mm -hmm. That's true. We did a show Other on thing, this several weeks ago. Emma wanted the Joseph, I mean, William Law. And Joseph Smith was really upset over that. Yeah, right. That's Emma right. Emma wanted him pretty bad, you know. In, in, in May, in the last two Thursdays of May, we had as our guest Grant Palmer, and I believe it was the first show that we did with him. We discussed that particular issue with William Law and, uh, and that whole story. It's a very good story. You go on, online and watch the show to get all that information. Yeah, it was, like I said, also, uh, it just upsets me when even months and today, I think he's not a prophet. He is a prophet of the devil. That's the way I think. Well, there, there's no living, pro the only living Jesus prophet Christ. we have is Jesus Christ. No man can call himself a prophet, and, and you know, you can call anybody anything you want, but that doesn't make us so. Exactly and right. That's, so, I agree with you 100%. Okay, well. And, uh, it's just, it, it's things like that. It's just, if the Mormons just started reading, in the, and oh, there's so many books out there. Matter of oh, fact, yeah. I read a lot of books, like, you know, from, I read books from B.H. Roberts, and all kinds of books I've been studying. And the, That's right. There's books out there, and you could read and read, and the, yeah. the proof that the Mormon church is not a true church. Nobody will ever be they able to face it. God and say, I didn't know, because the information is there, and they should be reading it, and they refuse to. Exactly right. Yeah. And, and when you start to talk to them, and they get upset, and they said, this is not so. The only thing I say, well, read your hi church history. Yeah. Read your, read your history. Read discourse and all this stuff. And, that's right. And that's the way I feel, you know. Okay, well, thank I, you, I sure appreciate, appreciate that's your That's one call. of the nicest shows. You have really good shows on it, and I enjoy you every bit of it. Thank you. That's good to hear. Thank you. Good night. Doris. Uh-huh. Uh, you have a good evening. You too. Thank you. Uh, bye. Bye. Okay, we have Mike calling from Enterprise, line two. Hello, Mike. Hello. Yes, you're on the air, Mike. Well, hi, Doris. How are you tonight? I'm good, thank you. Oh, good. I watch you every week. I watch you, and I really enjoy your program. Well, good. I'm glad you but, do. <laughs> but anyway, when I was, I was calling on a comment that you, you were saying that, that, that people are saved by grace, and, and I believe in that. I mean, the works that, that Christ did on the cross, I mean, he did that for me. Yes. And when he was on the cross, I was actually in his mind, actually. Right. But it, but it also says in the book of Revelations that during the rapture, all those that are in Christ will be resurrected and they will be caught up into heaven. Then there will be a thousand years of peace upon the earth. Then, after the thousand years, those that believed in works will be judged. Now, I don't want to be judged by my works. I want to be judged by what Christ did for me. That's true. But those people that believe in works... They will be judged by their works. They'll be judged by what they did. Exactly. And if you ever told a lie, you're doomed. If Jesus... God has, God has no other... No other... No other way to judge them other than by their works. That's right. 
That's right. And that includes their bad works. That includes every single sin they ever did. Well, that, yeah, I mean, I mean... I mean, some of them did some good works, too. Yeah, but they but did bad. It, it only takes to, to one sin. Place in heaven. It takes one sin is all it takes to, to have uh, the book to be erased out of the book of life. Just one sin is all it takes. Exactly. So, so I mean, th these LDS people think that they're doing all these good works and going to the temple and keeping the Sabbath day holy and all this stuff. That's not going to work enough well, for them it's to, just to be in, vain. in heaven. It's all in vain. It's all in vain. It's all in vain. Yeah, exactly. it is. And, and we that want, was the comment. We want them to know the grace of God, which is complete, 100%, 120%, actually, overall. Exactly. Thank you. A thousand percent. <laughs> Thank you, Mike. Thank you. You have a good night. You too. Bye. Bye. Okay, we, and, and you know, that's one thing that, that I, I really want to comment on that, this grace thing. Um, the, 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 the culture now is starting, we'll say we believe in grace, we believe we're saved by grace, and, 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 but you know what, saved to them is resurrection, it's not celestial glory, it isn't the third heaven. Uh, in order to get there, you have to work, 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 and do all this stuff, but that's not what the Bible teaches. You won't find that in the Bible. The Bible tells us that if it's by grace, then it's no works. If it's by works, then it's no grace. In other words, it's separated by a huge chasm. It's either all works or all grace. Now, if you want to get to heaven by works, you, the only way you can do that is to never, ever fail. And once you've failed only once, you blew it. It's too late. You better, you better stick with the grace thing at that point because you will never be able to undo anything wrong that you've done. So grace is the only way, and that means you throw yourself completely aside from any works and go to the cross of Jesus Christ and, and tell him that you believe that he died for you and you want his righteousness and you believe that he'll give his righteousness to you. And then you turn your life over to God. Okay, line three, Ross in Murray. Hello, Ross. Yes. You're on the air. Thank you. Good evening, Doris. Good evening, Ross. What's your question or comment? Hello. Yes, thank you. Um, I wanted to see if my understanding is correct, that the God of our universe and our planet used to be a man on the planet Kolob. And that man was exalted to be a god, and he became the god of our universe and our planet. And we're descendants from a man who used to put on the planet Kolob. Now, is that something that you've heard or something you believe? That's, that's, I'm asking if my understanding of the Mormon theology is correct. Is that their understanding that they, we are descendants they, of our earth from... A God who originally was a man from the planet Kolob. They well, they believe Kolob is where God's home is. They believe that uh, God was once a man, and He had to go through eons of time of perfecting Himself and learning how to become a God. And that He, once He became a God, then He has a God wife or wives. Uh, and they produce spirit babies, and those spirit babies are the, are the humans that are born here on the earth. 
That's their, that's their, what they believe. So the Mormon understanding is that we are descendants from a genealogy from this. Spiritual, yes. From the spirit, our spirit We are world. spiritual from mm-hmm. this yeah. man. But so is the devil, by the way. Was exalted from the planet Kolob. Thank you me for fielding my question. You, I'm very grateful. You're very, you. you're very welcome. And I'd like to add to that that they also believe that the devil is also um, a, a child of God and that he is a spirit brother uh, to Jesus and to us as well as all of the demons and all of the good angels that, they're, they're, that we're just all one great big, ha- well, not happy necessarily, family. Uh, but of course, the Bible does not teach that. It absolutely is not a biblical concept. In fact, it is in the realm of absolute blasphemy. Okay, we have a call, line two, Lewis. Hello, Lewis. Yes. You're on the air, Lewis. Hello. Hello. What's your question or your comment? Oh, I'm on the air right now? You're right this minute, yes. Speak up. Pardon? (laughs) Speak up or forever hold your peace. (laughs) (laughs) I'm sorry. Anyway, God bless you, Doris. Anyway, my my question is... uh, when are the Mormons going to take responsibility for uh, from Joseph Smith to Thomas Monson and quit blaming us and quit getting upset every time you quote 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 them? You know, it's, they're, they're the ones that supporting them, uh, sustaining them all. Let them take responsibility they're, for their uh, leaders and that. And all well, these they're not going to do that. Courses and all these things here. They're not going to do take that. Responsibility. They're, they're pulling further and further away from the quotes of, of the older, of the the original prophets. They're they're not even. They don't even want to offer apology uh, work for them anymore because I guess because they're too embarrassed. But but they don't feel like that they need to do that anymore. And and they they're telling their people. Don't don't go back to what the original uh, prophets of the church said. Stick with what's going on today. But you know what would happen if Christians did that? What if we just said, oh, don't worry about what Jesus said. You know, don't worry about what these early guys said. It doesn't matter. Just listen to what people say today. We can't do that. We have to go by every single word that God and that Jesus Christ and his apostles said. Uh, we can't detract from it, but the Mormons can't do that because they're too embarrassed. Yeah, what kind of Christians would it be that said, well, we're just going to do away with this uh, part of the Ten Commandments yeah. and that part of the Ten Commandments? And make new know? ones, yeah. Well, they wouldn't stand for it. Mm-mm, wouldn't work. Would, uh, would the Christians stand for, uh, for it if the government come along and said, we're going to do away with one of the Ten Commandments? Uh, well, they've no, done away with all ten of them. Stand up, they'd die for it. Uh, you know, they wouldn't stand for a minute. That's but right. Section one thirty-two. What do they do with that? They run to the hill. They redefined the government it. Came in. Yeah, they they redefined section one thirty-two and then denied that polygamy was all that it was right, supposed and to be. Right, right up to it. In the That's middle, right. You know. Well, we're hoping to help them, Lewis. That's what we do here for. We pray for them, and we we want them to see the truth. That's what we want to do, and we bring it out to hey, them. One thing and about that, Heavenly choose. Mother. Hmm? Can I say one thing about the Heavenly Mother? Very quickly, yes. Okay, well, why wasn't the Heavenly Mother there in the first vision, you know? Wouldn't you think it, if this is uh, some kind of a family, you know, these families are brothers, don't you think it, uh, they would introduce the well, mother to Joseph Smith, say, this is our beloved son, you know? 
I, I don't know what they would have done or should have done, but it's, no, it's I mean, a good if question. If his Heavenly Mother, you know, was there and everything else, why yeah. don't, why don't they She's home having babies. For some respect. Yeah. Okay, that's my comment. Thank you. Okay? <laughs> Bye. Thank you very much. You, God bless you. You Thanks too. Your show. Thank you. Goodbye. We have Ken calling from Manti. Now, Manti is the city that the Harmston polygamy group is. It lists what he has to say. Hello, Ken. Hi. Hello, Ken. You're on the air. Hey, I'm just calling in about, I listened to that uh, tape that was on the Internet. It's called yeah. uh, Harmston Caught on Tape. Yeah. And he blatantly admits marrying in his secret endowment house a 15-year-old girl named uh -huh. Angie Maurer. Uh -huh. Also alludes to the fact that she's probably pregnant by him. And then he also says that he got this Jacob Romero to go to the federal courthouse up in Salt Lake and get married to her so he wouldn't have to go to jail. And there was no way they could prove that that was his child. This Jacob Romero now mm -hmm. still works at the Gunnison Prison as a guard. Wow. Uh, my question, they've had this information. I heard your show with this uh, investigator, Llewellyn, mm -hmm. when he said he went with Angie Maurer actually to the county attorney down here a while back with the same information, and they refused and they, to they even look into They refused to it. do anything about All it. All they got to do is do a DNA test on those two kids, and they'll see they belong to Harmston. Yeah, yeah. So yeah. It, it just it make, it sickens me why they won't do anything, because we wonder. there's plenty of agencies that know all about it. Yeah. Maybe we need to get the attorney general from Texas to come up here. And <laughs> Let's invite him, shall we? shall we? Shall we have a written petition, invite him up here, show him how it's done? Yep. I listened to that as well, uh, Ken. I listened to that audio tape as well, and uh, that is what he said. Uh, it's on mantycult.com uh, for our listeners who would like to go on there and listen to that tape, see the information that's on there. It's there. It's there to, to listen to. Well, Ken, I they thank you for calling. They seem to just turn a blind eye, so I don't know what the answer is. But well, just, just keep plugging. Nobody seems to care, but it's uh, child abuse in the, uh -huh. in the worst Illegal. way. Illegal. Yep. It's we just keep plugging away, and somebody somewhere might learn something and act. Hope so. Thank you, Ken. Appreciate it. All right. Thank you. Thank you. Bye. Folks, if nobody talks, nothing will change everything will stay the same it'll get worse it won't get better and, and and i urge that to people who have come out of polygamy groups and you've got a story to tell tell it for heaven's sakes we need to talk if we don't talk the abuses that you suffered will get worse they won't get better so we just urge you to come out into the open with your story we have an anonymous call from spanish fork hello anonymous yes um i am curious as to what is so offensive to people of the LDS faith, and I'm assuming the FLDS faith as well, in the cross. The cross, Christians wear crosses. Well, um, they, they, they say that we're wearing a murder, an, an, an emblem of murder, a, a, a weapon of murder is what they're saying. But they don't believe that the cross takes care of our salvation. Uh, and why I was calling, because you were speaking of grace, mm -hmm. and what saved us was the poignant 
situation that took place on the cross, mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. I don't understand why the faith is threatened by and take in utter disregard the cross. The, the Bible says in 1 Corinthians 1.18 that the message of the cross is foolishness to those who are perishing. But to us who are being saved, it's the power of God. It's foolish to those who are perishing. Um, you know, the cross represents God's grace. And, and, and if it's a works-oriented religion, and they depend upon the tithes of the people and all of the works that they do uh, to remain a church, they can't, they, 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 they can't handle something that doesn't require their works and their rituals and their requirements for, for all of, of their control um, um, uh, laws. It's, it's not of God. Because if it was of God, they would believe the cross. I see. I see. I, I, I've been raised here my whole life. Uh, wearing a cross, it was not a good idea. Now, you know, I, um, need, I need to say something here. They do believe in the cross. They just don't believe the cross is 100% of our, salve- of our eternal life. No, they do not believe right. in the cross. They believe, well, I have been told they, I will go to hell as young as the second grade. Well, they believe in the cross plus. For wearing the cross, yeah. I was at an auction here this year in a small town in Utah County, a birdhouse that looked like a church was being auctioned off. It had a cross on it, and the auctioneer said, you can knock the cross off and just have yourself a nice little birdhouse. Hmm. Well, it is, uh, I know I've had some strange looks for the cross when I wear crosses as well, but it's the story of my eternal life. Jesus worked my eternal life for me. He paid for every single sin I ever committed and will commit. On the cross. On the cross. On the cross is where my sins were paid for. And so I'm not ashamed of it. And I'm not ashamed of the fact that he died for me. I'm very grateful for it. Correct. Yeah. Okay. okay. I was curious as to what the utter disregard for the cross is. And well, I guess that answered my question. I appreciate your time. You're welcome. Thanks for calling. Thank you. Mm-hmm. Good night. And it is. It's uh, the cross is is the story of our salvation. And if you don't take the cross one hundred percent and throw away everything else, you won't ever make it into eternal life. I I would find it interesting. Uh, people who are watching for men and women, um, maybe you can think about it and call in sometime. Uh, do you secretly want polygamy to be restored by the Mormon Church? Do you secretly, some people have said yes, and some people have said, uh, no. <laughs> so it'd be interesting to have some of our callers email or call in, uh, not tonight because we're out of time, but some other night call in, do you secretly want the Mormon church to restore polygamy? And next week, our show is going to focus on the horrific tragedy of the Mormon handcart companies and how simple that those tragedies could have been avoided. So be sure and watch next week. And 2 Corinthians chapter 3, verse 17 says that the Lord is the Spirit and where the Spirit of the Lord is, is freedom. If you're in bondage to a righteous 
uh, oriented worthiness, the spirit of the Lord isn't there because where the spirit of the Lord is, there's freedom. And freedom isn't a long list of good works for eternal life. Freedom is, is, is freedom from ritual requirements, from marriage and clothing requirements, from eating and drinking requirements, from Sabbath day laws, freedom from somebody who says they have spiritual authority over you when nobody but Jesus has authority over you, uh, freedom to say no to somebody who says that they know what God wants you to do when you have the right to go to God yourself to find out what he wants you to do. We want to know how long it's going to take for the women and the girls in polygamy to come out from under the authority of the men who are holding them in bondage away from the freedom. God wants to set you free from the bondage of life in polygamy. He doesn't desire you to live as puppets for your church or for a polygamy group. He wants you to choose freedom. He wants you to know and follow the truth and it sets you free. Good night. This has been the audio podcast edition of Polygamy, What Love Is This? This program is a production of A Shield and Refuge Ministry and Main Street Church of Brigham City. You can view current and past video episodes as well as download audio episodes of this program at whatloveisthis.tv. If you or someone you know is in need of assistance in leaving a polygamous situation, please contact us. We are here to help. All of our contact information can be found at shieldandrefuge.org or call us at 877-425-9993. If you have any questions or comments about this or any of our other programs, we'd love to hear from you. Write us at email at whatloveisthis.tv. Thanks for listening, and we hope you'll join us again.